0: Hey, welcome, welcome. Denny Van here with Heartfelt Awakening. We are all about aligning body, breath, and spirit. And we are continuing our transformational journeys to spirit And this series, this series has been so wonderful. Thank you very much for the feedback that we've been receiving um, and the gifts that we've been getting from this ability to share our experiences. The intention with this is to let people know, you know, hey, you're not going crazy. There's a way to align yourself and come to this heartfelt space. So with us today is Jeff. Bentley, and he has, he and I have been connected for so many years, and it's so wonderful to have him with us today, sharing his story. And he is a serial mystical. Experience experiencer. I definitely want to ask him about that. And he goes on in a lifelong search for the truth. How many of us can relate to that? We've been on this journey, it seems, our entire life. And he's saying, you know, whatever it may may be, and whatever may be found, this has led to many varied paths of seeking. So he goes on to say that he's a path of societal rebel to Christian minister to new age spiritualist so you know he's going through hopping along trying to find that truth right how many of us have tried everything <laughs> I can totally relate to that and then but along the way he's worked or rather played I really like that you know get that childlike quality from within and as, as a med- and he's a wonderful meditation teacher and leader certified clinical hypnotherapist spiritual counselor Tantrica. I definitely want to ask about that. A disc jockey. Now, where the heck did that come from? But I can totally relate. Auto repairer, business manager, or owner, <laughs> various other endeavors, and sometimes even a healer. Whew. Let's just call you fletch, huh, Jeff? Uh, and, he's, and he's currently enjoying the experience of being semi-retired and a full-time caregiver to a grandson, so he takes care of his grandson full-time, and his beloved wife, Rhonda, of 38 years. Wonderful, wonderful. So, Jeff, I'm going to get you on here, because I I want to go in deep. Hey, darling, are you there?
1: I am here.
0: Wonderful. Can you hear me? Absolutely. I can hear you loud and clear. So, thank you so much for being on Transformational Journeys to Spirit with us, because your story, and I know we've, we've been connected, I want to say, for more than 10 years, maybe even 15 years, and, and we've kind of been on this path together and seeing each other uh, go through things on this path. So I want to get into um, all of the questions that I ask um, everyone on Transformational Journeys to Spirit is, what got you Started on this journey? Was it one thing that happened or what was that one thing that got you on this path?
1: Well, probably birth. <laughs> um, as I looked back on it, after you and I talked and I agreed to, to come on here, I began looking more closely back and I could see a lot of things um, that I never really saw before. <clears throat> that I was preparing myself for that big moment that uh, eventually happened, which is the one where people start thinking they're crazy. Um, I was basically preparing the path for that my whole life up until it happened. Um, Being consciously aware of being on a spiritual path didn't occur until 1977. and um, That was a a moment where the world turned literally upside down on a dime. Right. Um, That I've listened to a couple of your, your other guests uh, on this series or in this series, and they seem to have had similar kind of moments. Um, And I think a lot of people have had them. And um, for me, (laughs) The I don't know how far you want me to go into setting it up. Um, but, yeah, I had been on the rebel path at that point, um, a conscious rebel path. And um I had dropped out of high school, was on the lam running for my life from a gang who wanted to kill me, and got talked into uh, or kind of forced into attending um, – a private Christian school and I did not want to go but I went along with it. And a couple of days in, ran into an old friend, somebody who I'd known since oh like seventh grade, um, who despite the fact that her family hated me, she was always my friend. And I ran into her, kind of as it were, a quote unquote chance meeting. We we both know there's no such thing as that, right?
0: Synchronicity,
1: um, yeah. It's a wonderful dance, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So ran into her, and in the course of our conversation, she asked if I was still going to school at a certain place, and no, I wasn't. And where are you going now? And I muffled my, you know, put my hand over my my mouth to muffle the words as I told her the name of the school. And she knew the place and began rattling off names of people. And did I know this one and that one and the other one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh... Then she invited me to a Bible study group at a certain church, and my first response was, you know me better than that. I'm the one who always said I wouldn't be caught dead in a church. No, 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 you should come. You would like it. No, 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 not, not doing it. No, you should come. I work on Sunday nights. What time do you get off? Well, it was about that time, about that point in the conversation where my teenage boy mind um, took another turn. And I had carried a silent torch for her for years, and I thought, well, maybe this is my shot, (laughs) right? (laughs) So I agreed that when I got off work that Sunday night, I would show up, even though their event would be over. And when that Sunday night came, I drove to the place she told me, which was an old Victorian house um, across the street from the church who was sponsoring, who sponsored the event, got out of my car walked across the big porch on this old Victorian house, stepped in the front door to find a dark foyer. And I looked around and said, huh, where is everybody? And I kind of with an intuition thought, maybe they're all in a front room up here behind this door. Well, I'd never been in this place before, so I was guessing. My timing could not have been more perfect because I touched that doorknob and turned it to open the door, just as everyone inside were standing up and stretching and opening their eyes after their closing prayer. So I could not have timed it any better. And I took one look and said, uh-oh, <laughs> no, this isn't going to work, because the first person I saw was a girl who <clears throat> me and a couple of other guys were uh, attempting to rape one evening, and we were um, <sighs> deterred from our – Or, course, somebody saved her from it. Then I saw another guy standing nearby her who I had beaten up, and another guy standing nearby whom I had stolen things from. And I thought, these people have to be thinking, there goes the neighborhood when I step in the door. And to my surprise, everyone welcomed me. Mm -hmm. And I walked through the place. You know, people were speaking to me. They were friendly. You know, hey, glad to see you and that kind of thing. And, and to myself, I'm thinking, why are they saying that to me? You know. Then I run into this guy that I'd known since grade school, um, big guy, hockey player, kind of pompous, you know, um, self-righteous kind of person. And uh, he says, uh, hey, weren't you kind of late? Oh, yeah, I just got here. Well, don't you know what time we start? Yeah, I just got off of work. Well, where do you work? And about that moment, everything changed. Now, I sent you a thing where I talked about this in a a post that I'd made last summer. Mm -hmm. Um, I can never (laughs) get all of the sensations in this anytime I ever try to describe it. Um, Immediately, absolutely immediately, the world turned upside down. I had this unbridled joy just bubbling up from somewhere deep inside that I didn't know what it was. I felt as if the weight of the world lifted off my shoulders. I felt as if all of the past had just been erased and no longer mattered. Um, The other part of the sensation that I don't think I wrote in what I had, you know, what I sent you. It also felt very similar to a very intense orgasm.
0: Yes, it's, it's an acceptance-gasm. <laughs> <laughs> you were well, in a space of complete acceptance. Yes,
1: yes and, and I've recognized that in later years that it was the first time in my life that I ever experienced absolute unconditional love and acceptance. I had never had that from my parents, from my family, from anybody. And that was the first time I ever experienced
0: that. It was was so important that you experienced that because you were describing some of the past experiences you had with some of those people in that room. And so there could have been this wall come up, and then that would have been the end of it. There would have been no Mm -hmm. opening, you know. That's what I expected. they, They played a very vital role in this opening in you. That's wonderful.
1: Uh, they absolutely did. Um, uh, I still look back with extreme fondness to the time I spent with that group because um, I was with them for about nine months after that night. But, yes, literally the world turned upside down. Um, my plan had been to go to school for two weeks and quit. And, uh, well, after that night, um, I, had, I forgot completely about that idea. Um, in fact, I forgot what my mission was that night, what, uh, why I went there. by the time the night was over i didn't even remember why i'd gone um that's how complete uh, that this moment of transformation was when you say asking about serial uh experiencer well i've had like seven or eight of that quality through the years Mm -hmm. um not that's not including all the little Minor things, you know, that come up here and there, but seven or eight of that magnitude. So that's what I mean by serial. <laughs>
0: yeah, I have a bunch of one them. experience after another, and each experience is completely different sometimes. So each yes, but they like, share oh. certain
1: characteristics. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly that
0: shift. Exactly. So you became um, so after that happened. Uh, You went into and became a Christian minister uh, to a New Age spiritualist, so it looks like you were still on a journey.
1: Oh, I'm still on it, still to this day. (laughs) Uh, I mean, as long as we are, well, until such time as we are absorbed back into the absolute, uh, we are still on a, a journey of some sort.
0: Well, you know, the reason I ask is because you, like so many of us, I did the same thing. Um, I became a course junkie. So I learned and took practiced and tried and certified and did all of these things because of the complete fascination with this deeper understanding with the path that I was on. So it sounds like you went from like a minister to a spiritualist and learned all of these things along the way. So now that you're looking back, what would, what was your biggest struggle and what is one thing that you wish you had back then?
1: Well, the biggest struggle is, was, has been not understanding what happened to me, you know, not understanding what occurred that night and Therefore, I don't know, I guess you would say veering off on on side quests all over the place trying to figure it out and listening to people and not trusting my own self, my own inner voice. That Mm -hmm. is what I would say has been the biggest struggle. Um, So many times the inner voice was absolutely right about situations. I mean, you know – I spent about nine or ten months with that group in, in, uh, well, it was in Illinois, uh, in the state where you are, um, after that night in 77, and then was forced to move to Ohio, and I did not want to move. I did everything in my power, in fact, to stay there. And everything that I did to stay there, um, well, it didn't work, and I wound up having to move. And upon the moving, I was immediately recruited by a very different group, um, very different Christian organization, who were extremely evangelical, old-fashioned, um, very different than what I had been experiencing. But because of the circumstances... Even though it didn't feel right to me, I felt like that was where God had put me because I couldn't do anything to change it, and therefore I allowed myself to go with it. Did I learn a lot? Yes. But how much farther along would I be now if I hadn't taken that side quest for seven years? Mm. You know? Absolutely. The the biggest struggle is learning to listen to your own inner voice and learning to... um, Trust it, you know, that, that's, that's a big issue for a lot of people, I've found. Um,
0: I agree, and I find that, that acceptance is huge, and I'm finding that a lot of people get confused between accepting and being in agreement with. So sometimes when I talk to somebody and say about, you know, where you are and what happened to you, accept it, they're like, well, I ain't agreeing with what happened to me. So then we have to find that space and, yeah, exactly, to go inside and be in, be where you are right now, now. So finding that space of acceptance. And you also said right at the beginning, I loved what you said, that now that you're able to look back, you're able to see things that you couldn't see. Can you tell, talk more about that?
1: Well, so many things that that happened along the way. You know, I had that big experience in 1977. I was 16 years old, Okay, still really a, a babe. Um, and from my reading on such matters, typically the age for such experiences, they say, is between, around the age of 35. But I didn't find that to be the case. But as I began looking back, I began seeing where – I had put myself on a path on purpose, um, such as taking the conscious decision at the age of 11 to become a rebel. Um, I did that intentionally. I did that after weighing the the two sides of, of remaining the um, good little obedient uh, boy in the household or being my own man and doing what I want to do when I want to do it. Um, I decided well, to take Jesus that path even though I didn't rebel, know how right? to do it. What's that?
0: Jesus was What's the that? ultimate rebel. Jesus was the ultimate yeah. rebel. Can you hear me?
1: Yes. Um, yes, in his own way he was. You're correct. You um, want <laughs> to go in and turn over the money changers tables? You know, um, <laughs> that's a, a pretty rebellious act. Um, yeah. So it was a conscious choice to do that. But then I started seeing other things, such as um, in the summer of 75, um, I had been in and out of all kinds of trouble for several years by then. And my parents were preparing to sell the house, and they were buying a new one. And they sent me outside to paint the lower level of the house. And I was not terribly pleased about this, but I reasoned at the time the best thing I can do is do the best job I can possibly do on this as quickly as I possibly can so I can get done and get away from it. Mm. So I did. It took me about two days. I was done. I was done. And apparently it didn't take long enough (laughs) for them (laughs) because my mom took one look, and she couldn't find any flaws. So she said, okay, you you did such a nice job on that. Now you can do the inside of the garage. So I was rather unhappy about that because that meant that that took a lot longer. I had to take everything out of the garage to do it. While I was working on that, I had this sudden thought out of the blue that hit me that said, you know, I've got it pretty good here. I mean, I don't ever have to worry about food. There's always plenty of food. Never go hungry. Don't have to worry about staying warm in the winter because there's always good heat. I've got clothes. I've got my own bedroom. I've got a stereo. I've got a clock radio. I've got my own television in there. All my own stuff. I've got two bicycles. I was in band. I had two horns. You know, it's like I kind of got it made. And then I thought about it and said, could I handle this if I lost it? What if it were taken away from me? What if I had to go to war? What if I went to prison? Could I handle that? And this is a 14-year-old thinking this. You know, How many 14-year-olds think on that kind of level? And I never really saw that until recently, and I was looking back, and it was like, wow, that was pretty, that was pretty amazing. I was preparing myself already to some degree. A year or so, about a year later, I had a thought one day out of the blue – that I wanted to experience everything that there was to experience in in on this plane during this lifetime, the highs, the lows, the good, the bad, the fun, the not so fun. Uh, I wanted everything, and it's like what fifteen year old thinks that, you know? Mm-hmm. And then later that same summer, um, I was tasked with painting the new house. <laughs> And the new house was on three and a half <laughs> uh no, I wasn't particularly good at it, but <laughs> they were always trying to find ways to keep me out of trouble um uh, i mean you when ready. i uh, it, in that summer of seventy five um I belonged to a y league baseball or y you know y m c a baseball league. I would go there in mornings and then go hang out in a neighborhood after that if there were no baseball scheduled for the day, I went to a pool hall and hung out for God's sake, you know 15 years old, hanging out in a pool hall Um, so they were always looking for ways to keep me off the streets, if you will and even though we lived five miles from the nearest town in the middle of nowhere on three and a half acres, they were still trying to find ways to keep me uh, occupied and engaged and the house was only 4 years old, but it was cedar uh siding and had never been stained since it was brand new. So they sent me out to restain it, and that was a an arduous task, it was a house and the garage and a barn. And it was an arduous task because the wood was so dry that you put the stain on and it just soaked right I'm in. Yeah. And um so but my dad was going to do all of the trim work. So On a Saturday morning, we get up at 7 a.m. and we go outside to work so he can work on this trim and I'm to hold ladder for him while he's up high. And my dad did very, very well for himself in a financial sense. Um, And he had like seven weeks of vacation back then. But when he took vacation, he worked. And I was watching him up on that ladder doing this like he resented what he was doing like he was angry about it and i began to observe that and i thought why what what good does it do i mean this guy's making buku bucks he's got you know plenty of vacation time we got a nice house he's got he wears expensive clothes every day to work he buys a new car every year okay but we don't want for anything but he can't enjoy it. What good does it do to have everything if you can't enjoy what you got? And again, I'm a 15-year-old thinking this. And then I considered a little further, and I thought, yeah, but he has all that because of the company he works for. And if they decided as a corporation they were just going to throw him off tomorrow, there's nothing he can do about it. So I began to see then the fallacy of the I don't know, of the the world system as it exists, even though that wasn't a common thing in play then. So I was already preparing myself or being prepared in certain ways for the eventual shift, which necessitates a whole change in perception. It it, it basically, it produces a change in perception of the world around us, whether we understand it or not.
0: Exactly. And you know, what you saw was, As a child, what you saw was a pattern that you could have easily taken on. And this is how we pass on our behaviors, pass on uh, what they call narcissistic behaviors. We witness them, and we, we take it on ourselves as a pattern. But you saw this, and you saw that I can do something different, something different. You had a choice. This takes awareness. And this, this awareness is at a pretty early age.
1: That's what I'm thinking, too, is I'm looking back saying, what 15-year-old has these thoughts? You know, not many that I know, <laughs> you know.
0: So you, um, you, you want to say that you, um, you have worked or rather played as a meditation teacher and leader, certified clinical hypnotherapist. Talk about the work that um, you've been doing.
1: Well, most of that work was a number of years ago because I've been in the retired state now for about 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, The meditation um, was a matter of – after I had left Christian ministry and I'd had a couple of other kind of wild experiences and I was chasing, still trying to find truth – By that point in time, I had spent some time hanging out with various pagan groups. I had spent some time with Wiccans. Um, I'd been all over the map um, experiencing and trying a little bit of everything to see what stuck. And uh, in the course of that, um, my wife brought up to me one, one night that... Since my uh, DJ gigs on Thursday were no longer, there was a meditation group at a certain place that that she had been interested in, maybe we should go. So uh, I agreed, and we went, and immediately I fell right in with these people and with this group and with what was going on. Um, Out of that, within, I don't know, three or four months, I went from the neophyte to the one who was um helping teach people on my own hmm. um I just kind of fell right into it um it was in conjunction with that that the hypnosis thing began now i'm i don't know how where you are but the hypnotic state and a meditative state are virtually are the same, the same. yeah mm-hmm. uh, in terms of brain wave states they're the same thing um So jumping from one to the other wasn't that difficult. Um, I jumped to that, though, mainly because of helping a friend who was going to hypnosis school. So I don't know how far you want me to go into this one because it's going to lead into some other pretty deep experiences that happened.
0: Yeah. Well, I know with like hypnotherapy and stuff like that in meditation. They really do go hand in hand. So um, I I usually um, tell people, you know, if you're dealing with past trauma, past baggages that you can't get past, they feel like blocks or shorts within your energy system. I always highly recommend some kind of tool like Mm -hmm. hypnotherapy, EFT, meditation, going Mm -hmm. to somebody else to kind of shake you out of that. So definitely, right. these Somebody are powerful to guide tools, and these tools you probably use on yourself, right, before you use them on other people. So how do these tools help you personally?
1: Well, the meditation tool helped me to calm down a lot. Um, in my years of seeking, I became almost hyper-hyper. Um, Everything was quick, fast, in a hurry, Um, didn't have time to wait for anything, Um, just go, 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 go. And I I reached a state with my meditation. Um, I went for a spell of several months where my meditation was between six and eight hours a day. Mm. I had another phase where I was three to five hours a day. Uh, just
0: a little side note, if you're listening to this, that amount of meditation, I, I just have to add this disclaimer, Jeff, that amount of meditation is, is not recommended. <laughs> so, you were at a point, <laughs> so you were at a point where you were basically, were you using it as an escape or were you really going inside and, and being in this space?
1: Well, when I was in those phases... I had a a particular way that I did it, and and it wasn't all at one time. I broke it up. Um, What I did is I started with a timer that I set for 15 minutes and four seconds. (laughs) And once the timer was set, before I pushed the go button, I lit a candle. And then what the, the four seconds was for was to give me those four seconds once I pushed the button to start to get my focus on the flame. And I trained my mind with that 15 minutes to be focused on just that one thing, just on that flame. Trained my mind that this is what we are doing right now. And when we're done, we'll come back to the rest of the world, and you can, you can play again. But this is what I'm doing right now. Once my 15 minutes was up, I would blow out the candle, reset my timer for 99 minutes because that was as far as it went, and then just simply go into closed-eye quiet time. And allow whatever came to come, observe it, but don't chase it. you know mm. um, so that
0: so you were in kind it, of like a training, like a focused attention and awareness training to keep your awareness not from going off with the mind but but staying on the focus of the candle.
1: To, to stay, yes, that taught me to stay on the focus of the candle, so that then when I blew out the candle, I could stay focused. Basically, I focused my attention on my third eye, mm. and a lot of people use the, and I've used it myself. You know, focus on your breathing. If I was having a particularly tough day with it, I would, I would focus on my third eye, <clears throat> on my third eye, but at the same time, I would pay attention to my breath. <clears throat> And basically, I was trying to confuse the conscious mind or overwhelm it to where it would just say, "Oh, screw it," <laughs> you know, and, and, give and up. close yeah, down,
0: quiet down, yeah. Which is so a, that's, hypnotic, that's a, slum, a hypnotic, yeah. technique. And it's interesting um, because in spirituality, that's a transcendence. So you're transcending, which means you're in a, a in a trance
1: type yes. state. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, in that state. I could lose all of my outer concern. That all occurred right as all of my businesses were dying, which is what forced me into a retirement that I didn't plan. Um, I had one that I had already closed um, and another one that I was trying to get on his feet but was struggling with a little bit. And I used that meditation as a way to I guess you could say distract myself from focusing on worry. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Worry is one of the most unproductive things we can do.
0: Oh, it's such an energy waster. Worry is the uh, energy vampire.
1: Uh Sure is. And so I did that in order to, at that time, to short-circuit my worry um, motor, which uh, in me... (sighs) up until recent years (laughs) excuse me my my worry mechanism was um, very very well developed Um, so (laughs) it was important to me to do that and I could do that to such a degree that when the bill collectors started calling I could just tune them out and guess what everything worked out so if I hadn't tuned them out it would have probably driven me, uh, I don't know, to some probably pretty bad places, um, knowing how my personality tended to work um, in past years. So it was very useful for me in that regard, but it also spawned another one of the mystical experiences, came as a result of all the meditation. Yeah. So...
0: So when you
1: went through this, you went
0: through a, a period of phase, um, going through hours upon hours of meditation. And then now looking back, what did you wish you had at that time? Is there something that you wish you had when you were going through these phases?
1: I wish I had the message then. That came to me after you and I talked about doing this, and I began looking back at all of my experiences and said, what's the common thread? What's the message to all of this? Why did all of these happen? Because there's, there's got to be something common about them. And I came down to a, a core message, which was uh, in several parts, One number one being all is well, despite the outward appearances, all is well. Number two, you are more loved than you probably even know. No, I don't. Um, yeah, which, you know, that one, uh, when it first came to me, it just almost blew me away. And the third one is, especially once you've had that first <sighs> mystical or transformational moment experience, especially after that. You are always safe and protected. Always. Yeah. Because you are seeing to it. Because we are ultimately who we've come in contact with. The higher part of ourselves, when we have those moments. Those transformational yeah. moments.
0: Agreed. Those are wonder. Is that all the messages? All of those. Are there more? Because I wanted um, to ask you. you
1: know, with the that's all that comes that to mind talk- at the moment. There might be more that I forgot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but those are powerful, right there. But now that you've gone through, you know, you talk about being a rebel, a troublemaker. You know, actually, maybe even a bully might come to mind.
1: You know at times. what
0: would I would I would I want to ask you? You know, now that you're looking back and pondering this, what would be your message to the younger guy? that are that might be going through this to the younger Jeffs out there.
1: What would be your <laughs>
0: message to your younger self? Ooh,
1: to my younger self. Well let me think. How would I how would I I
0: can see this, I personally know, you know, I, I have a lot of brothers and I and I have a lot of male friends and, and I know a lot of guys there's there's a there's a different perspective and I want to touch on that. Um, this spiritual transformation is beyond um, being the man. Is <laughs> beyond. It is.
1: It is, and it's also beyond being a woman.
0: Absolutely. And the reason
1: it's the reason it is is it, this came to me years ago, and I'm just recently starting to read other people saying this. Our goal here, our mission, is to balance. The male and female energies within us to learn to work with both. My my message to younger guys would be, um, learn to get in touch to some, at least to some degree with that feminine part of you. Why is that? Because when you're in the physical form and you identify primarily as male, your spiritual higher counterpart will be female. And if you think about this from a biblical perspective, I think many times we got the inflection wrong. In the beginning, you know, God created the heaven and the earth, right? And he said, let us, us, now who else was there, right? Make man in our image and likeness. So God created man, male and female created he them. Does that mean he created males and he created females, or did he create male and female, well, if you and look some, at all
0: of the other mammals on the earth, <laughs> so yeah totally i I've been um, reading a
1: guy recently who who's um and he wrote this stuff over a hundred years ago, and his take on it was that God is bisexual and because God is both, and that for us to be in our as it were higher mind. We have to also at least take on some traits of, of that. And I said, well, that's an interesting take. I'd never seen it quite like that, but it makes sense to me. Um, we are created as both because we are both because we created ourselves. <laughs> so it's just which one pops out to the forefront in the physical sense and in our personality sense Because, yes, there are some boys that act like girls and some girls that act like boys. Um, But be in balance or somewhat in balance with the higher and lower minds, if you will, with both the the masculine and feminine uh, um, traits that we all carry. Learn to have a balance in them.
0: Exactly, Um, and you know, I do come across a lot of people, um, male and female, all genders, that do get confused about this divine masculine and divine feminine, and let's just say a person, regardless of gender, and I know our limited minds think there's only two genders, male and female, but other species and other traditions and cultures have as as many as six genders, so (laughs) genders aside, Think of genders as the uh, electrical things that we plug in. So we have an iPad, a computer, um, a printer, a TV, and so many other things a light, a light. So we have like five or six things that plug in, right? That's kind of like genders. We have different genders, but what we're plugging into is positive and negative. Right. and that needs to ground. So the positive and negative is the divine, masculine, and feminine. So when we're in our masculine, we're in the human part of us. We're human beings. So when we're in the masculine, we're in the human. We're in the doer. We're in the planning and doing and all these Uh things. So we're in Uh the divine masculine, regardless of your gender. But to get into the divine feminine Mm -hmm. And guys have a tendency to want to do something, say something, fix something. They want to be in there doing something. And many many they don't guys don't just want to talk. Girls, And you know what? Just talking is doing something, right? So but guys don't they see don't want <laughs> they don't just want to listen and hold faith. And so this is this right. is something both my husband and I got through. We've been together, you know, you've been with someone for more than 30 years. You know, I'm going through something, and it's emotional, and he wants to judge it as bad. He's getting uncomfortable. He has a judgment or opinion on it, or he's going to be giving me ideas on how to fix it. And I finally had to tell him, look, honey, just listen and hold space. Let whatever happens happen without trying to fix it. I was able to go through my process of whatever was happening and feel held and supported and in a space where I'm not going to be judged. This Mm -hmm. brought our relationship to a whole new level. So when guys, when you understand how your energy works and you are a complete circuit, you're the positive and the negative, you're the masculine and the feminine, Mm -hmm. the um, part of the plug that you plug in that draws the energy in, in it's complete circuit and then grounds it regardless of your gender, you are that complete circuit. And so Mm -hmm. when we understand that and come from this space of holding space for whatever's happening without trying to judge it or change it, this is a wonderful practice to Mm -hmm. connect with this divine feminine within you. And it doesn't make you feminine. So I I totally agree. And, And it's so important that,
1: you know, I wish I'd understood your... that you know twenty years earlier.
0: <laughs> and how would how would knowing that have changed your journey?
1: Well, I wouldn't have probably gone on as many of the heartache parts of it as I did. Mm. <laughs> um, granted, the heartache parts of our journey, the difficult parts, are where we grow. My wife has a saying that it's. The shit in life is the fertilizer that makes us grow, and Amen. so, so when we go through the difficult stuff, that's just we're being fertilized if we use it for that to that end. Some people can't let go of trying to control it, and that's a male tendency more than female, usually, um, at least. In my viewpoint now, yes, women will do that too. Women will always try to change their, their, their guys, their boyfriends or, or husbands, and it never works. Um, <laughs> he has to change himself um, or he has to want to change uh, in, in order for that to work. But typically, the male energy wants to be in control of everything. And when we want to be in control, totally our logical mind in control and physically in control of everything, we're not allowing for that intuitive side. We're not allowing for the miracles to happen, which that's one of the things that I saw when I started looking back over all these experiences through the years and saw all the things that I came through that I shouldn't have, you know. (laughs) I mean, in a logical sense, I shouldn't be living where I am right now, logically. Um, And the funny thing is, I've been, in, as it were, unplanned, unfunded retirement mode now for 10 years. And we're more financially comfortable than we've ever been. Uh, How does that work? You know, how does that happen? (laughs) I don't know how that happens because – uh, it it happens by allowing things to happen um, exactly. as opposed to trying to force them to happen. And Wonderful. I spent a whole working career trying to force everything to happen.
0: I hear that. I'm the queen of control. I do. We don't have much time <laughs> left. One thing that I wanted to ask you about now that you've kind of been on this path and have this experience now as an, semi-retired older gentleman. Now you're the full-time caregiver of a grandson. Tell (laughs) us what's going on in your life here, and how has this journey um, hindered or helped you with your uh, service to your grandson?
1: Well, I will say, first of all, that this has been quite an eye-opening experience for me because I wasn't really involved in raising our children. I was always working. And, um, you know, mom had to take care of everything, And I was just around enough that when she was having problems, I became the heavy. Other than that, I wasn't much involved. And I recognized that I passed down the traits I learned from my dad in how I did handle our children. Um, I recognized that my, my dad was very quick to make a decision, a judgment decision as to what happened. If, you know, something went awry, <clears throat> he did not ask questions. If he asked you a question, you were in deeper trouble. He decided what happened. And then he meted out the punishment, and he meted it out until his anger was gone. And I observed about the time that our grandson was born that I had done the same thing with our children to a point. Um, I reached a point. I, I went to war. Um, The first Persian Gulf, 90 and 91. And when I came back from that, our children were, what, um, nine and six. When I came back, and I found I could no longer meet out the type of punishment before. Um, It wasn't in me, and I didn't understand it. I I wondered what had happened to me, what went wrong. You know, (laughs) Why, why can I not do this? Why can't I beat the hell out of this kid? Because I'm mad. Hmm. And when our grandson was coming, I recognized that I had carried those tendencies, and I had a conscious um, awareness that said, I wish to do this differently. And I guess that's why I wound up with him. Um, His mom basically has um, abandoned him twice, and um, he's been full-time with me uh, to some degree since he was about three years old. Um, And he turns 10 next month, so it's been a little while. But Mm -hmm. I had a conscious – made a conscious choice that I wanted to behave differently, and I wanted to treat him differently. And I have observed that our son, who also lives here with us, when he's around, he wants to jump quickly like I used to and um, um, be rough right out the gate. Whereas I have learned to be more quiet and back off and ask him questions. Well, Orion, why did you do this? Or why do you think you shouldn't do that? You know, and what do you think would be a better way of handling this as opposed to getting angry and going, jumping straight into corporal punishment? Um, so I have had to learn that there are different ways, and I have noticed that he responds to me better than he does to his own dad, Mm -hmm. that um, I have no problems with him at all. In fact, in the morning, uh, getting ready for school, um, we have a routine. He takes care of himself. He knows what to do. He knows when to get it done. If his dad or my wife are home, they want to be telling, oh, Ryan, you need to be doing this. You need to be right here now. You need to – just be quiet and leave him alone he knows what to do, he'll take care of it and he does and when I get off track, he'll come to me Grandpa, it's almost time to go (laughs) okay, you're right I need to get up and get my coat on so I have learned to handle things in a very different way and with a lot more patience um, with a lot more compassion and intuition and Uh, awareness which were things I did not possess when our children were, were young. Um, mm. I, I, I had compassion, but only if I wasn't angry. <laughs> if I was angry, there was, there was no such thing as compassion. Yeah. Anger was the yeah. only emotion that I felt comfortable uh, or justified to ever display. Yeah. Uh, you know, b- back then, and that's where a lot of guys are.
0: Yes, and they it's don't. learned behavior. Their fathers did it or their mothers did it, <laughs> you know, so it's definitely learned behavior. So I yeah. want to just kind of recap, and we're kind of at the end of our show. It kind of flew by, didn't it? <laughs> it, just flew it did. Almost an hour. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow. So we have been listening to Jeff Bentley. Thank you, Jeff, so much for being with us on our series, Transformational Journeys to Spirit. If you are listening later on, let us know in the comments uh, what's going on with you, how this podcast helped you, and how we can serve you better. So I want to thank Jeff for being with us and thank you for being with us. Like this, share this, let us know what's going on with you, and may you have a day full of blessings.